Thank you again for the invitation. It is always a pleasure to be back at Bethel Baptist Church. Let's take our Bibles to Psalm chapter 118. And uh, I'm so grateful. I will never forget the first time we came here. I think it was 2016, April of 2016, right before Easter. And uh, I'll never forget Brother Fury introducing me, and just like he did just now. And he said, how long have you been in evangelism? And I answered back, two weeks. And so I think he got nervous on that. And you don't want to hire an evangelist who's only been there two weeks to preach for you. But I'm glad he did. He took a chance on us. And I think he was looking for the quartet mostly. And then he asked, do one of you guys preach? And I said, well, yeah, I'm an evangelist. And, and uh, he didn't know I lied about that. And I, I had not even stepped out full time by that time that he reached out to me. Uh, but he took a chance on me as a preacher. And I will forever be grateful for that. He opened really the, the nation of Canada for me. And so I've preached everywhere from up in the Arctic Circle in, in Newvik. I know some of you are there. The Vogels were there recently with Brother Riley Featherstone. And then I've preached all the way to Vancouver. And I have not gone really east of here other than Brother Massacres, uh, east of here, but I've been none of the eastern provinces. But Lord willing, I'll get there someday. Uh, but I am so grateful that the Lord allowed me uh, to preach here. And I always say Wisconsin is Canada of the South anyways. And so uh, we appreciate you, appreciate the good spirit that's already been here this morning. Now, I'm going to come out of the gate at about 100 miles an hour, Okay. I've got about an hour and a half sermon, and I've got to preach it in about only an hour and 45 minutes, so, but uh, I am, I'm going to come right out of the gate preaching hard, preaching strong, and we're going to go on a journey today. Now, the ensemble, they had no idea what I was going to preach, right? And uh, they sang that song, Beauty of the Cross. They had no idea. My entire message is really on the cross this morning. And uh, Lord willing, the entire day may be about the cross, but I want to give you something that will help you, that will be a blessing to you, and um, I will seek the Lord on that. But I am going to, uh, to go about 100 miles an hour because I've got to get to the end of the message. You'll understand all of these things together. I'm going to quote a lot of scripture. I will not have you turn to but three passages of scripture, so keep your Bible handy because at some point we will go through, and I'm stalling right now because some of you haven't found Psalm chapter 118 yet, and so, and so we'll, we'll see what the Lord does with this. And let me encourage you, be here as much as you can every service. Just commit right now. Whatever comes up, you're going to be in revival. Just commit it. Just like the Bible says about giving, it said, let a man purpose in his heart and let him so give. You know, I think you ought to maybe purpose in your heart this week, you're just going to give the time. And uh, we'll, we'll not be long. We're not going to extend it at night. We're just going to get right down to preaching. We'll worship and uh, we'll just get right down to revival and see what the Lord does. But just determine in your heart right now, I'm just going to be here. I'm just going to be here. Wouldn't it be a shame if others that are, I've already talked to some that are going to come out of town uh, to be in this meeting. Wouldn't it be a shame if somebody would come from an hour or two hours away and those of us that live 10 minutes away won't be here? So I just want to encourage you, and I know some have difficulties, but if you are able to be here, let's just determine to be here this week. Psalm chapter 118, I'll let you sit for the sake of time. But the Bible says in verse number 24, we're going to read one verse and that's it. And then we're going to keep your Bible open because I'm going to reference all of the verses there. But we're going to read one verse. And matter of fact, let's read it all together. Verse number 24, read it with me. This is the day which the Lord hath made. 
we will rejoice and be glad in it. Read it one more time with me. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, I don't know if you do this around here, but we sing this song. Do y'all sing this song? Wonderful. Y'all. I'm in Canada. I said y'all. All right. And, uh, but uh, use, I'm sorry, and, uh, or uses, the plural of that. And uh, we sing this song, and what do we say? We say, this is the day, is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. For this is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We're so familiar with this. As a matter of fact, I mentioned to the folks yesterday, I went to Israel with Brother Kurt Skelly, and back in late November, early December, we were in Israel together. And the first day that we were there, our Israeli guide, who happened to be a born-again Christian, he said, he said, folks, do you know what day it is? And it kind of messed us up because we were all on different schedules and we had gotten there, flown through the night. And I left on Monday night, but I got there Tuesday night uh, to Israel and, and we had been to sleep. And so it's like, is it Tuesday or Wednesday? Or, you know, we didn't know what it was. And so we're trying to figure it out. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, no, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We'll rejoice and be glad. And, and he said, do you all know that song? And Finally, he just reached over, handed the microphone to me, and I became the official song leader of the week. And so he would always, every morning, he would get up and say, fellas, you know what day it is? And then finally we caught on. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We're rejoicing. And then we'd sing, this is the day. And we'd go through that song again. As a matter of fact, at my grandmother's church, they would always say that in response to each other. My grandmother's pastor would get up and he'd say, folks, let me tell you, this is the day that the Lord hath made. And the folks back would say, this is a sharp crowd this morning. Well, at least one out of four. But anyways. He would say it again. He would say, oh, y'all don't listen to me. Y'all didn't hear me this morning. He'd say, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad. Oh, look at that right now. We got a Vermont in all the way here, and he's picking up the slack here. Hey, he said, this is the day which the Lord hath made. That's pretty good for a Canadian crowd on a Sunday morning. We have sung this song. We have used this verse to encourage ourselves. We have gotten together every, literally every Sunday morning. Somebody will say on my news feed, on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram somewhere, somebody will say two verses. They will say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Psalm chapter 122 and verse number six. And then they will come back, many of them, to Psalm chapter 118, verse number 24 and they'll say hey this is the day which the Lord hath made we will rejoice and be glad in it but can I say to you this verse by the time we're done with this service is going to mean something completely different to you than what you ever saw in the scriptures before 
Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning from the word of God. Lord, there may be a soul in here today who does not know for sure that if they were to die, they'd go to heaven. And Lord, as we sang over here at the piano and as the group sang about the cross, we want them to be together with us in heaven. We want them to experience what we know to be true. We want them to experience the grace of God that has appeared unto all men. Thank you that you are willing that not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There's not a person under your sound of my voice right now, Lord, that you don't want to be saved saved. But Lord, even there's people right now that need to take a journey back to the cross again. They need to take a journey back and realize this is the day which you have made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. Help us today. Save the lost man that is here. Encourage the saved. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen and amen. When we begin to think about this verse, this is the day. And I would turn it upon you like a lawyer in a court case and say, well, which day is that? Is he just speaking of every day? Is he just meaning that every day in the morning I wake up and repeat these words like religious wrote and like some of us used to do when we sing Hail Mary and we quote it like our father? Is it just a mantra to get us through the day and each and every day of our lives? Was it a Sunday? Was it the day that we, we come into the house of the Lord? The Bible describes it as the Lord's day. Is it supposed to be something that is quoted only on a Sunday morning or was the Lord Jesus Christ, was David? as he is penning the psalm, was he prophetically looking through the corridor of time and saying, there is going to come a day, and when you see that day, I want you to rejoice, and I want you to be glad in it. My heart today, as I begin to read the scripture, as my mind ponders on the scripture, it goes back to the fact that, listen, this is not just any old day, but the Bible said there was going to come a day, and when we saw that day, we were supposed to rejoice and be glad in it. So, but Alan, how do you know that? Well, let's take a look back, and we'll back up for sake of time. We'll only go back to verse number 16. The Bible says the right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. Well, can I ask you this? Who or what is at the right hand of Jehovah God? Jesus Christ, the Bible says, the Bible says he gave himself to us to redeem us. And then he was sent back to heaven and he is seated right now at the right hand of the father. And so the Bible says, whatever we're talking about here, whatever the context here, the right hand of the Lord is exalted. Well, this reminds me of Philippians chapter 2. Wherefore God also hath highly, not just exalted him, but he said, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name uh, that at the name of Jesus, hallelujah, he said, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess of things in heaven and things in earth and things below the earth and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is at the right hand. He is exalted, the Bible says. He does valiantly. Now watch verse number 17. Whoever this is, watch this. He says, I shall not die, but live 
and declare the works of the Lord. So in this day, it's going to appear as somebody has died, but they actually live. Verse number 19, excuse me, verse number 18, the Lord hath chastened me sore, but the Lord hath not given me over to death. Oh, this reminds me of Isaiah chapter 53. The Bible says, uh, uh, he says, he said, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And he talks about this. He said, we did esteem him, Jesus Christ. It's a prophetic uh, chapter there. We did esteem him stricken of God and afflicted. Oh, does this not remind us when he said, listen, it's going to look like the hand of God is chastening me. Doesn't it remind you on the cross as they're sitting there and they're like, oh, he's crying out to God. Let's see if God will save him. As a matter of fact, he said others he saved himself. He will not save and they looked at him, and the Bible says they esteemed him, stricken, stricken of God, smitten of God, and afflicted. They looked at him. And by the way, if you were to read the Talmud today, I'm not trying to be unholy, according it in the church of God, but according to their traditions, Jesus Christ is burning in hell right now covered in excrement. Because that is what they believe. He was smitten of God. Don't you remember the charges they railed against him? They said he is a blasphemer because he made himself to be the son of God. And according to their laws, if one commits blasphemy, they are worthy of the judgment of God and death by human hands. And he said, before this day, you're going to look at me as if God himself has chastised me. We say, well, that's kind of, okay, well, let's look farther. He said he had not given me over unto death. Oh, doesn't this remind you of the psalm that says this? Thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thou hold thy holy one to see corruption. Do you know today the reason why Jesus Christ spent three days and three nights in the grave is because according to their Jewish traditions, after that 72nd hour on that day four when that began, here's what would happen. Corruption would begin to settle into the body and you would be considered beyond all hope. You would be considered, can I put it in our vernacular, a sinner. Corruption has been given over to your body. But the Bible says uh, that, listen, on that 72nd hour, on the, on the beginning of the first day of the week, the Bible says uh, that Jesus Christ, that stone was rolled away. And I'm glad for the song this morning that says, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose the victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with the saints to reign. Amen. Hallelujah, Christ arose. When the stone was rolled away, the rock of ages walked out. And we look at this and we say, yes, this is a prophetic message here. The Lord Jesus Christ, even though he died, he was not given over to death. 
This is, by the way, last year I preached on Lazarus. This is why the by the way, why that fourth day was so important. But thank God when he's four days late, he's still right on time. But this was not Lazarus here. This was not a human being here. Lazarus, Jesus could come into his life and, and speak life into the grave again. And up from the grave, Lazarus arose. But that was a man. That was him redeeming a corrupt man. But aren't you glad Jesus is not a corrupt man? He was God in the flesh and he was not given over to death. You say, Brother Allen, I just don't see it yet. Okay, well, let's keep going. Oh, take a look at verse number 22. The stone which the builders, watch this, refused is become the headstone of the corner. So whoever we're talking about right now, what's going to happen is he's going to come unto his own and his own are going to receive him not. He's going to be rejected of men. Kind of like a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And as he comes to the people, the Bible says they are going to reject him, but there's coming a day. There is coming a day when the stone that was rejected is going to become the key to it all. When this happens, verse 23, what will we know about it? This is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. He said, when you see these things happen, when the right hand of the Lord is exalted, when he's not given over to death, when he's chastised, but he doesn't die, when the stone is set at naught to become the chief cornerstone, when you see that, say, yes, hallelujah, it is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Why? Because that day, that is the day which the Lord hath made, we will rejoice and will be glad in it. If you were to go in your Bibles today, you won't have for the sake of time. But John chapter 8 and verse number 56, here's what he says, Pastor. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Well, what day was he talking about? Oh, oh, that day. That day. And he says, when you see that day, I want you to rejoice And I want you to be glad in it. What day is it? Keep your finger there. Actually, let's go. We'll we'll quote a few more out of this very quickly here this morning. Look at this. Verse number 26. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed the Lord out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord which has shown us light. Well, we know that's who that light is. Matter of fact, John chapter 1 says he came into the world as the light of the world. And watch what he said. He says, this light lighteth all men. Matter of fact, the New Testament tells us he is the light and in him is neither darkness nor shadow of turning. There is no light. Matter of fact, when we get to Revelation chapter number 22, there is no more sun. Why? Because the Lamb of God is the light. And he said this, bind the sacrifice with cords. So whatever this day is, there's going to be a sacrifice that's going to be bound with cords to the altar. Turn to Matthew chapter 21. 
Matthew chapter 21, you're doing great. You're doing excellent. Now watch this. We're going to have a Bible semester worth of Bible notes in the next 10 minutes. But hang on with me. Because you're going to get hit by a Mack truck at the end of it. Well, look at what your Bible says. We call this in Psalm Matthew chapter 21, the week of the passion. Jesus Christ, according to chapter 1, uh, verse number 1 of chapter 21, he is drawing nigh unto Jerusalem. He is about to enter into Jerusalem. He's about to go to the cross. Now watch with me. He comes nigh to Jerusalem. He came unto the Mount of Olives, and oh, my soul, I'm telling you right now, Two months ago, four months ago now almost, I stood on top of where this verse says right here. I stood upon the Mount of Olives. I walked the Palm Sunday Road just to the right of the Mount of Olives there and where, where we were. We walked down what's called Palm Sunday Road. And at the end of that road is the Garden of Gethsemane. As you're in the Garden of Gethsemane, you can look up and see the Temple Mount where, I, where Isaac was about to be sacrificed by Abraham. Just beyond the Temple Mount, you could look past that point and you could see Calvary where the place of the skull is. Just to the left of that place, you can see Caiaphas' house where Jesus, where the Roman soldiers are probably coming right now as he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. You can hear the soldiers' swords clinking. You can hear their armor rattling as they're coming to take the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is praying in great agony so much so that he is, the Bible says, he is sweating great drops of blood. Folks, medically, that is the highest stress you can be under as a human being. We watched them as they take him, as Judas plants a kiss of betrayal upon his brow and his cheek there, and they carry the Lord Jesus Christ to Caiaphas' house. That is all about to happen. But it starts here on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said unto them, he said, I want you to go. In verse number two, you're going to find an ass and a colt there with her. He said, loose them and bring them unto me. And he says, if any man say all unto thee, watch this, ye shall say, the Lord hath need of them. All this was done, verse number four, all this was done, which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell ye your daughter, the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon the foal of an ass and the colt of the foal of an ass. Watch this. Zechariah, this is a prophecy. Zechariah chapter eight, verse number eight. The Bible says, tell ye daughters of Zion, your king cometh sitting on an ass and the colt the full of an ass. There is prophecy after prophecy after prophecy that is pointing, Brother Stone, to this day. You say, I don't know about that, Brother Allen. Okay, let's go down a little further here. The Bible says, all of a sudden in verse number eight, there was a great multitude that spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches for the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitude that went before him and that followed, uh, uh, that followed, excuse me, cried saying, see if this sounds familiar, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. They literally quote 
Psalm chapter 118 that we just read in our text this morning. And he's saying, what are they saying? This day, Brother Cody, this is that day. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Interesting, he said son of David when David was the writer of that psalm. Watch this. There it's like, who is this? This is Jesus of Nazareth, the, pro- the prophet. The Bible says he begins to cast them out, as was mentioned yesterday. Look at verse number 13. And he said unto them, it is written. Here he goes, prophecy again. My house shall be called a house of prayer, but ye have made it in a den of thieves. He is fulfilling prophecy after prophecy. Verse number 15, when they heard blessed about the son of David, they were sore displeased. What did Jesus say to them in 16? Look at this. And he said unto them, hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said unto them, ye have, yea, excuse me, have ye never read? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. Jesus went all the way back now, not to Psalm 118. He went to Psalm chapter 8 and verse number 2. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy is being fulfilled that day. Let's go farther. Verse number 23. They ask him about John. I'm going to skip some of this for sake of time here. They ask him about John and his authority. And then he gives them the illustration we talked about yesterday at the men's meeting about the two men that repented. One repented and one did not. And then he told them, I'm talking about you and harlots are going to go to the kingdom of heaven for you. He gives them another parable. Here's the parable. Watch this. Watch the second parable that he gives them. He says, okay, there was a man and he had a vineyard. And he sent workers to that vineyard. And here's what happened. He said, the workers of that vineyard, they rose up. They stoned one guy, killed him. They beat another worker, but then they stoned one, which means he died. And then they killed another one. They killed two workers. And then here's what he said. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my son. And he said, surely when I send my son, they're going to reverence my son. Stay with me tonight, this morning. He said, I'm going to send them my son. And when I send them my son, here's what they're going to do to him. They're going to say, oh, he's wonderful. They're going to receive him. Surely they'll receive my son. But the Bible says when the son came, what did they do to him? They said, oh, there is the heir. Let's kill him. Here's what your Bible says. And they said, let's kill him. Verse 37, they will reverence my son. The heir has come, let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance. But the verse 39, and they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. In other words, they rejected him. They took him to the edge of the city and they rejected him. And then he asked the Pharisees, what do you think he's going to do to those men? Watch what he says. I'm going to, he will miserably, they had the right answer like we talked about yesterday. I'm going to miserably destroy them. And watch what he says. Verse 42. Jesus said unto them, did ye never read in the scriptures? Here we go. The stone which the builders rejected. The same has become the head of the corner. Watch this. This is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in 
our eyes. He goes on to another prophecy out of this in Zechariah about the stone coming down to Jerusalem. That's the word of God. That's Jesus. He's going to crush them into powder. What's he saying? This is the day. It's the only verse he doesn't quote in Psalm 18 just about. This is the day, excuse me, that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice when you see all these things, Brother Fury. This is the day. We got the prophecy coming in Zechariah in the first part of the verse. We got the prophecy from Psalm 118. We got the prophecy from Psalm chapter 8 and verse number 2 and now we have the prophecy in Zechariah chapter 8 and he said when you see all those things happen this crucifixion day coming here's what I want you to do listen very carefully for the next few minutes when you see all of that I want you to rejoice and I want you to be glad in it We understand some things about the cross. Here's my points this message. Understand this. The cross was the sovereign's design. Did you know, my friend, the cross was always God's plan? The Bible says he was delivered up by the predeterminate counsel of God. The Bible says he was as a lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. See, God knew that man was going to fall. And God in his infinite wisdom and his infinite foresight, the Bible says that he looked through that corridor of time and he saw the nature of mankind. He knew we were going to sin. And he made a way for us to be saved as we sang so eloquently about this morning. And he said, when you see that day, it is God's design. It, listen, this isn't man's plan. If it was man's plan, man would say, do what you can and do what you can and do what you can and work hard as you can. But God said, man, I don't want you to do what you can. I'm going to send one that is not going to be given over to death. That is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our sight. Rejoice because it's the sovereign's plan. Amen. Number two, Amen. it is the Savior's doing. And aren't you glad Jesus went all the way for you? Aren't you glad this morning that he was spit on for you? The Bible says he was mocked for you. He was rejected for you. He was that cornerstone that was rejected. He came unto his own and his own received him. Not why? Because so as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Do you know you're saved today? Not based upon anything that you've ever done, but based upon everything that Jesus did and endured just for you. And the Bible says we can be made nigh today by the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says we can be receive forgiveness because of his doing and aren't you glad that it was the sovereign's design and it was the savior's doing i like this it is the saint's delight we rejoice in it don't we man i'm so thankful for two thousand years ago that somebody died for my sins he paid a debt i could never pay i owed a debt i could never pay off he did it and i rejoice in that And if you don't know him as your savior today, you could walk out of this room just like that man in Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch. You could walk out of here rejoicing on your way because of what Jesus did just for you personally. This is a sovereign's design. It's the savior's doing. It's the saint's delight. I like this. It's Satan's doom. Amen. (laughs) 
It is Satan's doom. When we looked at this day, oh, it was Satan's doom. That's why he can look and say, Abraham rejoiced, and David rejoiced, and Moses rejoiced. Why? Because they knew once the lamb came, all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15, he's going to crush the head of the serpent like you sang about, and he's going to crush that serpent, and that serpent's going to only bruise his heel, but he is going to end up the victor. Because this day, which you're supposed to rejoice and you're supposed to be glad in it, that's the day the Lord hath made. We're rejoicing. We're glad about Calvary. And every one of us ought to walk out of here today with a rejoicing heart saying somebody was pierced in his hands and they pierced his feet. Oh, you read it, Brother Cody, this morning. And see, in Psalm chapter 22, the Bible says they pierced my hands and my feet. It says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? See, he dies in chapter 22 prophetically. And then not only that, but in chapter 23, he becomes our shepherd because he died. In chapter 24, which is what you read, he is the king coming back for us again and coming to rule. Be lifted. I, I was standing outside that Mount of Olives and you can look at that eastern gate right there and they sealed it up. Can you believe that? They sealed it up. But I'm going to tell you, here's what's going to happen. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts, the Lord strong and mighty. He is the king of glory. And I'm telling you, when I think about that day, they they put an Islamic grave right in front of the eastern gate too. Can I tell you, he doesn't care who he offends one day. He's walking over that place. He's walking in the eastern gate. And I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. But wait a minute. I'm going to draw your attention to one last verse. Boy, what a day. What a rejoicing this is. Brother Cassidy, boy, I man, we rejoice in what God's done for us. This is wonderful. But I want to draw your attention to one verse. Romans chapter 8. Most of you could quote it. But I want you to see something that you never saw in your life. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse number 28. And we know that, what's the next two words? All things. And we know that all things work together for to them that, to them that are the called according to his purpose. Watch this. The Bible said all things, everything that has happened, is happening in your life, and is going to happen in your life. All things work together for good. All things, Brother Baker, work together for good. For who? For those who love God. For those that are called according to his purpose. Now watch this. We're just about done. For whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate. For what? For a Calvinistic journey to heaven? Did he predestine you to salvation? No. The Bible says we are predestined to do what? To be conformed 
to the image of his son. Brother Kevin, you've been around the Bible for a long time. Do you know what? If we're supposed to be conformed to the image of his son, now watch this. If I say I'm going to be like changed to the image of Brother Kevin, first I'm going to have to get some lighter makeup. Then I'm going to have to lose some weight. <laughs> and, uh, then I'm going to have to dip down a little bit shorter. <laughs> if I am going to be conformed to his image, if I'm going to make a sculpture that looks like Brother Kevin this morning, I'm going to have to know what he looks like, right? Yeah. So watch this. Church, if you are going to be conformed to Jesus Christ, you have to figure out what he looks like, Right? Because all these things are supposed to make you look like his son. Well, what does his son look like? Well, if you go to Revelation, we won't turn there for the sake of time. Here's what his son looks like. John said when he saw him in heaven, here's what he looked like. A lamb that had been slain. He looks like he's been crucified. And if you're going to look like him, Brother Calvin, if you're going to be conformed to his image, you're going to have to look like a lamb that's been slain. Say, what did he look like? Isaiah said his visage was so marred. Yeah. He looked so terrible. He was bruised so badly. Miss Ida, that they couldn't even tell he was a man. He was so bruised and battered. Brother Jason, if you're going to look like him, sometimes you got to look like you've been in a fight. And you're going to be bruised and you're going to be battered and people are going to spit on you and they're going to betray you and the Judases are going to come and kiss you on the cheek. The same cheek that you used to embrace him, he's going to betray you and plant a kiss of betrayal on there. You're going to have some of the closest people to you say, I don't even know that blankety blanket man. You're going to be forsaken by everybody that says they love you. Everybody that you fed the 5,000, they're going to be gone. All of those blind people that you healed are gone. All of those deafened ears that you opened are gone. All of those Talitha Kumai that you raised from the dead. Where's Lazarus? Where's Mary? Where's Martha? All these people, they're gone. They're forsaken. And now he's being buffeted. He's being sped upon. He's being forsaken by all. But I'm going to tell you this morning, this is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We said hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
We said amen when we talked about Jesus' crucifixion. We said glory to God when we talked about him being rejected. We said praise God when we talked about his crown of thorns. But let me ask you this morning, where's the amens? Where's the hallelujahs? Where's the glory to God when you go through your crucifixion? When the doctor calls you, say, you've got cancer. You know how that feels? Like you're being crucified. When the man or woman that you have loved your entire life walks out one day and says, I don't want to be married to you anymore. What does it feel like? It feels like crucifixion. Why hast thou forsaken me? I don't understand it. When mom and dad walk out on you and you don't understand why you're going through it. When a church that you love turns their back on you. When your expectation fails and falls. When your health begins to fail you and your mind begins to go. You say, how does it feel dealing with a life that's dealing with dementia and Alzheimer's and a husband. Listen to me. How does it feel, Brother Stone? It feels like you're being crucified. But if we got spiritual eyes on, we'll say this is the day that the Lord hath made. I'm going to rejoice. Say, how is this possible, Brother Allen? When you understand that you are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. This is how all things. Because John chapter 8, verse, I think it's verse 52, somewhere on there. It says this. Except a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it cannot bring forth fruit. Yeah. Listen to me this morning. We are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. You know what the last part of this verse says, and I'm done? That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We all say amen when we talked about Jesus. Why? Because his death, his crucifixion and death, it's how we got into the family of God. It's how we got saved. Listen to me very carefully. Could it be that your crucifixion? Could it be that your crown of thorns? Could it be that your rejection is that you might be the firstborn among many brethren? Maybe God allowed you to go through something so that a lot of people from your crucifixion can be the firstborn. You could, many brethren. Could it be that cancer raged through your body because there's a lot of people that are going to go with, through cancer without Christ and you're supposed to lead them to Christ and you're supposed to encourage them? I'm going to tell you, it's been a blessing of my life watching Miss Joanne as she has ministered to others and the people in my life that are dealing with cancer right now, she has ministered to them and prayed for them and, and partnered together with them. You know why? Because this is the day. And while we don't thank God for cancer, I thank God for what cancer has done through your life. Amen. 
and there are multitude of people all over this room right now. The Bible says, listen, the suffering that you are enduring right now, it cannot be compared to the yeah. glory which shall be revealed. The Bible says in 1 Peter, after you have suffered a while, he will establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. What I want you to do today is some of you that have been carrying a burden and maybe nobody knows about him. It may even be because of your own sin or because of something that happened in your life 30 years ago. Maybe you were taken advantage of by somebody that you should have trusted like Jesus was. Maybe you were smacked in the face and you were betrayed and you were mistreated and you felt like you got crucified. But the greatest thing you could do is surrender and say, not my will, but thy will be done. And I'm going to lay down my cross and I'm going to say, this is the day and I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed this morning. There are two groups of people in this room right now. There are saved people and lost people. Some of you need to just come to the cross and be saved. I mean, you know it. You are lost. You have never been born again by the grace of God. You know it. There's no argument above it. You need to come to the cross. You need to look at what Jesus did for you and say, oh, this is the day. And now this is the day of my salvation. I'm going to come and surrender to his cross. I'm going to come. I'm going to say, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Jesus is enough. You need to be saved. But there are Christians all over this room right now that have been carrying burdens. And you've been saying, why me? I know what it's like, young people. I know what it's like to think, why in the world was I born into this home? I know what it's like to have a teenage mother. Why was I born? I know what it's like, young people, to live in a home where alcohol is king and marijuana is king. I've also preached in camps with 240 kids just like me and watched 41 of them walk down the aisle to get saved. You know why? Because God crucified me that I might be the firstborn among many brethren. When the Lord took my sister home to be with the Lord, I'm telling you right now, there has been a grace upon my ministry that was not there before that. And I have been preaching more messages like I'm preaching right now and has helped hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of people of God. Why? Because my crucifixion can lead to somebody else's salvation and help. And some of you need to surrender today and finally say, yeah, it hurts. Yes, I'm sad about it. Yes, I'm brokenhearted about my crucifixion. But this is the day. It's the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. May the Lord have his way.